0: Far out in the uncharted backwaters of the unfashionable end of the western spiral arm of the galaxy lies a small, unregarded yellow sun. Orbiting this at a distance of roughly 92 million miles is an utterly insignificant little blue-green planet whose ape-descended life forms are so amazingly primitive that two of them think doing a podcast called Digital Watches are a pretty neat idea is a pretty neat idea. They are Jeff and Brian. Hi there, this is Jeff. I'm with my friend Brian, and this is our Easter Bonus episode. And nobody
1: has to get nailed to anything. Hey, Jeff, how are you?
0: I'm doing great, Brian. How are you?
1: I'm feeling validated. Validated?
0: Why are you feeling, va- feeling validated?
1: Because we finally got our tickets validated,
0: man. <laughs> yes, we did. The gold package <laughs> tickets that we bought for the June 2020 Wizard World Convention were converted into Fan Expo VIP tickets and were finally used in the April of 2022. Wow. That's
1: amazing. <laughs> A long
0: time it was a long time. The VIP experience gets you some free swag, which included a couple of comic books, a T-shirt, a Disney shorts vinyl collectible, a VIP lanyard for your special VIP badge, and a large tote bag to carry it all in. Uh, it also gave you access uh, to the VIP suite, which, aside mm-hmm. from mints, was basically uh, was yes. basically a coat check for your coats and bags and usually empty a room with some tables
1: yes when i when i went back a couple of times i saw a couple of people in there you know resting their head on a table or you know, <laughs> taking a nap. having a meal <laughs> yeah taking a nap or something but you're right the outside of the mints i'm not sure what the vip tent was for there
0: <laughs> yeah. another not know what it is uh, was something they called a virtual concierge
1: yes never figured that one out did we No,
0: no, we didn't. Um, And it was part of the VIP package. We have no Mm -hmm. idea what it was. The big benefit of being a VIP, though, is that you could jump right to the front of the line for autographs, which eliminated all the tedious chatting, relaxing, and making friends that people were previously forced to do (laughs) while waiting for autographs.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's good. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But we did manage to do that as well. So, uh, yes, you know, we, yes, we fit we it all in.
0: Because even <laughs> though we were at the front of the line, we still had to wait for a really long time for
1: Mr. Shatner. Uh, yes, that was the longest wait. It wasn't the first thing we did, obviously, but it was no. the longest wait that we had while we were there. Yes. The price of a VIP ticket
0: is basically $400.
1: Yeah, amazing, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Premium is $120. $120. And it's about what we paid for our gold package tickets to Wizard World. The virtual concierge, the lounge, some extra swag, bigger discount coupons at the fan store, and the line jumping are the only upgrades over premium. And I will say the line jumping is fantastic, Mm. but that is a lot to pay for line jumping.
1: Yeah, it it is, and... Well, at least, especially from our experience, we were never in a line except for Shatner, which we'll talk about at length, I'm sure. But we were never in a line that seemed to have more than ten or eleven people in it at the time. So it wasn't as if we couldn't find a time where we could have stood there for a few minutes and 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 got in, you know, got our signatures. Right, but. The line jumping did allow us to jump in front of those 10 or 11 people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it did. The uh, the, There was
0: nobody that we were looking for autographs from that had any kind of a serious line. There may have been some. I didn't pay that much attention to the other lines for the other celebrities because I didn't have to stand mm-hmm. in those lines.
1: Right, right. You weren't even intending to stand in the Shatner line because you've already gotten a signature from Shatner. So you were just standing there just to hang out with me. So, yeah, you know, keep that, you company that's... while you
0: had to stand and wait for Shatner. Yeah. Yep. So, that other upgrade, other than the line jumping, is the VIP suite, which was not right. convenient, in my opinion. It was by all the panel no. rooms, it was not near the show mm-hmm. floor. And my thought Mm -hmm. was that if it was on the show floor near the food service area, the VIPs could get their food and then have large, uncrowded tables to go sit at and look at all the other people standing elbow to elbow at these little cafe table things. It would also make the suite more visible to the non-VIPs who Mm -hmm. may see the ability to eat in peace as a benefit and Mm -hmm.
1: sell more VIP tickets. Okay, so in defense of the uh, Fan Expo people, I do want to say that there might have been some constraints based on the physical space that they had to work with, because if I think about it logically, their panels were all downstairs in small rooms, and the, the general hall upstairs was really like a giant open space. Now they did create a a a main stage up there with chairs and and curtain walls and they probably could have done that with the VIP space which to me as you say would have been a better better way to lay that out but they literally had the whole building and they were trying to utilize I think the whole building but so I do want to defend them in a tiny way it seemed like logistically that was the best space for them to use to create these VIP rooms. They emailed a survey to me. Did you get their survey? Uh, I don't recall, but I may have just missed it.
0: Yeah, well, or just deleted it as a Fan Expo email. But anyway, it had something about Mm -hmm. filling out a survey, so I decided to fill out a survey. And in there, they asked for different statements, so I put about the inconvenience of the VIP lounge. And I doubt they'll make any changes and filling out an online, you know, what do you think thing reminds me of my post office story. I have told this story to many different people. I don't know if I've ever told it to you, but it's one of my favorite stories and I'm going to tell it here.
1: All right. I've been with you and I've gone to the post office, but I don't think I've been with you when you've just told me this post office story.
0: (laughs) All right. So I used to do a lot of buying and selling and shipping. So I would always save boxes. I had a porch where we just stored all of our boxes. My wife had ordered a package from somebody. I don't even remember what it was, but that empty box was on the porch and it was about the size that I needed. to ship whatever I was going to ship, so I grabbed the box. And when I looked at it, the box was a plain brown paper box that was shipped UPS. But the inside of the box was the bright shiny printed US Post Office priority mail. So what these people did was they went to the post office they grabbed all the free boxes because you could just grab these free boxes, (laughs) turned them Uh inside out, and shipped UPS. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Mm -hmm. I'm paying a lot for postage because these people want to steal boxes. So I got on the U.S. (laughs) post office site and I was going to uh, send them what I experienced. And I found some sort of send comment type of thing here. So I sat down and I told them, this story and at the end I said you don't have to make it nice but if on the inside of the box you would have priority mail printed everywhere then people would be discouraged from stealing boxes and turning them inside out because it would still say priority mail and everybody would know where that box came from and I sent it off. And I think immediately I got one of those, we've received your comment, thank you, blah, 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 we're very busy, blah, 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 type of thing. And I'm like, all right. And then I thought nothing of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. A little while later, I don't know how long it was, I received an email back from the post office. I did not save this email, and I wish I had, but I didn't. But it was the single most condescending insulting email I have ever received that basically <laughs> said leave the decision making to the adults that is the overall impression that I got from this email and I was like well heck with you then I mean I'm trying to help you guys and you're gonna send me mm-hmm. this this email so I'm like forget mm-hmm. it and I put it out of my head And that was the end of the story. Six, eight months later, I don't know how long it was, I go into the post office because I needed a priority box, and lo and behold, the inside of the priority boxes are all printed with priority mail. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, come on. (laughs) Now, did this guy just... Insult me and then tell somebody my idea and get some huge bonus for for <laughs> clever thinking. I don't know. Absolutely. You know that happened. Well, actually, I am convinced that six or eight months is not long enough for the post office to make any type of change. <laughs> so it, it had to have uh, been in yep, the works. You're right. You're right. Six or eight months. Uh, yep. Nothing is going to happen that fast in the government thing. So I know it has to be a coincidence, but it didn't not upset me any less because I know that. It, <laughs> all they had to say was an email that said, we'll pass it on. That would have been fine. I'm like, okay, great. And then I saw it six mm-hmm. months later and I'd have been proud of myself. Or we've already right. have this in the works or discussing it or we are aware of this problem. <laughs> But it wasn't. I I mm-hmm. wish I saved the email because I couldn't believe what they were telling me when all I was trying to do was
1: help them. But now, about the convention right. experience. No, <laughs> no longer
0: about the post office.
1: Oh, there you go. Everybody loves to hear about the post office, don't oh, they? Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> On our first day, Friday, uh, we decided to wear our podcast t-shirts. So we had t-shirts made up to advertise our podcast so... Hopefully they'd catch people's eyes and we could pass out business cards and get more listeners. The floor opens at 4 yes. p.m. However, opening mm-hmm. ceremonies is at 1.30. But the premium and VIP yes. ticket holders, they're able to access the show floor early at 2 p.m. Basically the dealer room. Right. There's nothing else right. happening until 4. There's no guests or stars or celebrities or anything. It's... But it's a great way to quickly run through the whole floor and see everything without fighting a crowd. Right. So we were mm-hmm. walking into the show and like immediately somebody's like pointing at us and going, hey, cool shirts by one of the staff members that was sitting there. <laughs> and you yep, always attribute absolutely. that to you having of course, lo- <laughs> your graphic shirts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well yeah I, i'm sure i haven't told Well, I've, you know the story because you've actually witnessed it but and and people don't believe me when i tell the story because they haven't been there or seen it but my wife will attribute it's true and i know that you've had it happen i've had it happen to be in your presence but for some particular reason if i happen to be wearing a graphic t-shirt and say it's got guitars on it or a motorcycle on it or whatever uh people will stop and start talking to me about my t-shirt <laughs> and just start a conversation right in the middle like oh i've got a good you know a gibson guitar just like that and <laughs> nobody actually believes that people don't do that but They do, that people will do that. So I frequently will try to avoid wearing a graphic t-shirt because I know that it has that effect on the general public. Of course, I I also consider that, well, let me phrase it this way. There are people in the world that have what has been colloquially referred to as a resting bitch face. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm not talking about female or male here. I'm talking about the fact that they have a face that... People look at and then immediately want to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm blessed with the opposite. I, I have a face, or my eyes smile, or whatever that I invite people in, and uh, it's 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 very common. And, and you've seen it. Yes. Correct. And and I have the opposite face. I don't know if I have <laughs> resting bitch
0: face, but I have a keep away from me face.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, which is, which is odd because it doesn't seem like it's in your nature, but I do know that that's the way people react. <laughs> so, well, well, that's what's funny. Th- I mean, we're not talking about the costumes or we'll get to that for the next day, but at that point we're just wearing graphic t-shirts. Right. And I've had that experience before. That was our first experience at the, at the um, convention. So I marked that up as a success right away. I thought that was fantastic because people got the shirt, somebody did anyway, and they commented about it.
0: 4 p.m. arrives and the activities began. Panels started and some, but not all, actually very few of the celebrities started arriving for their autographs and photo ops. Uh, We decided to get the autographs we could on Friday, the first day, to get that out of the way. But since they weren't all there at the strike of four, we decided to check out a panel first. And the first panel we went to was called Best of the Worst.
1: And that's where they discussed what a bad movie really was.
0: Right, but not just a bad movie, but but an enjoyable
1: bad movie. Exactly. It was hosted by the gentleman artist who is most famous for his depiction of Charlie the Tuna. And and his name was Joe...
0: Wass. Or W-O-S, I believe.
1: Wass. Okay, okay. Joe Wass. Fascinating character. We interacted with him a number of times during the convention, which we'll talk about. It was funny. We sat down and he started talking about what makes a bad movie being a movie that you can watch and enjoy because of its badness and what right. makes just a regular movie i didn't i wish i had taken a, down his actual list what do you remember of the list one of them was it had to be a musical <laughs> yes and, and that's the funny thing because that's what i remember the most he, he also mentioned it has to have known actors not necessarily yes. stars but people people know Uh, That was another one. And bad acting. I remember he did say that. But I can't remember. There's almost a list of like 10 different things that for him qualified a bad movie as a bad movie. Do you remember any of the others?
0: Any of the other qualities that make a bad movie? I don't. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have written them down too because it was pretty funny when he was (laughs) ticking them off. It was so like obvious. Like, Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, oh, I think there was also they really are trying to make this great iconic piece of film but they just make it confusing and it's ununderstandable.
1: That's right. Yes, he did mention that. That that was the other one. That the the plot was indecipherable. Yes. In had no idea plot. what
0: it was about. But <laughs> you get the feeling that they think this is Academy Award-nominating gold. Absolutely. So now we can get to a couple of the movies that he put on the list. The Room mm-hmm. is the quintessential bad movie. I've got The Return of Captain Invisible. I've never yep. seen it. No Tiptoes. Have I, neither have I. Haven't seen Never that. seen Tiptoes. Nope. The Apple. I've not seen nope. The Apple. Uh, Zardoz. I've seen Zardoz. Nope. <laughs> Okay, And Sextet, the last movie ever made by Mae West.
1: I've not seen it. And the only movie that he mentioned that I actually had seen was Plan 9 from Outer Space.
0: Plan 9 from Outer Space, yes. (laughs) That one is another one of those movies. Right,
1: and the only reason I'd seen that one is because a friend of mine is a real big fan of Sven Gouli. And uh, so he recommended that I started watching that, and I'd seen that particular film on Sven Guli.
0: That is a Sven film.
1: <laughs> I promised my friend the other day that I would uh, seek out a Sextet, and then uh, he and I would be able to sit down and watch a couple of really bad movies together.
0: Right, so if you find it, let me know where you found it, because I've been looking for that one as well. After the first panel, we hit the autograph area, And I got autographs from John DeLancey, who plays Q on Star Trek Next Generation, and Jonathan Frakes, who is number one also from The Next Generation. And Jonathan asked about our shirts.
1: He did. He he was curious about the shirt, and um, I don't remember his first comment. We then started talking about the origin of the shirt. He did know the reference to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. What I thought was funny is with the
0: badge lanyards and your bag shoulder strap and shirt folds, reading mm-hmm. the whole shirt can be difficult. And so Extremely. he was reading, he went, digital watches, like very plainly. And he just said that. And then he's like, then he paused and he looked and then he goes, are a pretty <laughs> neat. I'm like, if if you got that far and it didn't click in, you're mm-hmm. not that familiar with the reference but after we told him what it was mentioned hitchhikers then it all came back and he gave us a reason he didn't remember
1: right so he we mentioned to him that it was from hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy and then he said oh i remember the book i was in college at the time and then i said to him well uh when were what years were those And he said, 1974, 1978, around there. And uh, he said, I was back in Penn State doing LSD at the time. (laughs) Clearly a joke. Clearly, 100%. (laughs) He was just kidding. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I think just kidding was the way I inferred that. Um, But uh, it was really funny.
0: (laughs) After getting those autographs from... The two Johns, I guess, Jonathan Frakes and <laughs> J- John
1: Delancey. We decided to hit the vendor area. and We just started wandering around. Right. And we're wandering down an aisle. And as we're wandering down, uh, there are two gentlemen behind one of the vendor's tables. And he said, I love your shirts. And he said, I've got a special bottle opener coaster thingy I wanted to show you. Uh, yes. And he had a lot of different wooden crafted coasters and and, uh, and, and plaques and, and things of that nature. Uh, And we look down and you and we see we see the whale. (laughs) Right. (laughs) A wooden coaster with a bowl of petunias and the whale and the words, oh, no, not again on it. And it's kind of cool because the coaster, of course, you can flip over and it's got a bottle opener on the back. And Jeff was like, well, that's a cool idea, you know. And we spoke with him for a few minutes about that. I did think it was funny because you actually said, oh, look, the whale. Yeah. And then he said, and AgriJack. And I said, what? And then he said, the bowl of petunias. And then, and then like, we felt oh, stupid. <laughs> yeah. Here we are, supposed to be the experts, and we can't even get the reference. Because <laughs> even though we God. know
0: the bowl of petunias is AgriJack, spoilers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we haven't
1: even spoken about that in the show yet. No, no that doesn't come up until Life, the Universe, and Everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so we spent some time talking with him, and in the end, we were able to. I think we gave him a card, and he he scanned took a picture of QR our shirt. Oh, he took a picture. Yeah, that's right. He did take a picture of the shirts and asked us whether or not we had them available. And uh, Jeff explained that they were available on our website, or his website, and uh, then he took a picture of the QR code and, and went out there and linked to our podcast site. Yeah, the the shirts are available on the podcast right. site. And after doing that, I was like, "Okay, we're done. We, we, <laughs> yeah. We've we've accomplished <laughs> everything we've ever set out to do: uh, draw attention to ourselves and to ask have someone ask us about our podcast." And that, well. That's not the only story we have to tell today, but it certainly felt like one of the best interactions that we were going to have, because we engaged with an individual and we got the result of handing out information about our podcast.
0: Yes, in a in a nice non forceful way. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right. <laughs> and so. that was just wearing our that was just wearing our our podcast t shirts. Um, right. Right. Since we're since we're on that subject, I'm going to. Can I go ahead and jump ahead, and then we can jump back? Sure. Okay, so the week after you left here, I attended uh, what's called the Geek Fest here in South Jersey. Uh, When we were in the Philadelphia Convention Center, uh, we took a picture, or no, I had you take a picture of me in my podcast t-shirt standing in front of the background, and I posted that on Facebook. And immediately after posting that on Facebook, I got a couple of comments, and one of them was from a high school friend Uh, who does woodworking, actually uh, scroll work, wood carving, I'll say. And um, he asked where we were, and I explained to him where we were, and he said that he was going to be attending, or actually a vendor, at this uh, geek fest. And so the the only reason I'm bringing this up is because there was only one interaction that related to my shirt, because I wore the same shirt to that convention, if you will. Oh, at GeekFest, you wore your podcast shirt. Right. I wore my podcast shirt to GeekFest, and I walked around the whole place. They probably had, I don't know, there were two rooms full of vendors, quite a number of vendors. A couple of them are actually also in attendance at the uh, Fan Expo at Fest, uh, so there were a couple of repeat people. Near the end of my perusing and going around, a gentleman behind the table turned to me and said, Oh, I had that watch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. And, you know, it, it, ever since we started this, I thought it was a little, we're, we're crazy people. So why, why we, I mean, we know why we chose the joke that we chose and why we chose what we did about the title of our podcast. But yes. I don't know that we could have made it any more complicated if we had tried to. <laughs> so I'm holding up my shirt and you can see me on the video here. I'm holding it for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I say to him, well, it's really not about the watch. Although I had a digital watch similar to this. And I explained to him that it was about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and, and 42. and And then he kind of keyed in and got it. That was my other shirt at a convention story. <laughs> my reasoning or acceptance
0: of our podcast and our logo is that anybody who this podcast might be entertaining to would get the joke and understand and it immediately and right. if they don't then they're not going to enjoy this or have any idea what we're talking about <laughs> well they might enjoy it because we're kind of idiots on on here but <laughs> you know we're like a bad yep. movie yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, we keep coming out. <laughs> Although we
0: don't sing much. <laughs> well, there's no road signs in front of you.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh. But I'm trying to think. That was the first day, and I don't have any more notes about that day. Do you? Uh, yes, I do have a,
0: oh, a okay. couple. So the originally, I passed up the coaster slash bottle opener. Uh, When he was talking about it, he said that at first he just made coasters, and they were real thin, and when you put wet bottles on wooden coasters, they tend to warp. So he said he was tired of giving refunds, and he wanted to make them thicker. He's like, well, as long as I'm going to make them this thick, I might as well put a bottle opener in it. And so that's how that was was idea was born. Mm -hmm. But I did go back and bought the whale and AgriJag. On the bottle opener coaster. And he said that it was a new addition to his catalog. And he didn't have time to apply the protective coating. So he was going to mail it to me. And I said, will you sign it? And he's like, sure. And he signed it. And then I saw him numbering it. And I asked him if he already had a predetermined number of how many he was going to make. So he turned it so I could see what he was writing. And it said one slash question mark and i thought that
1: was that was perfect. Yes, yes. So,
0: so the second panel that we went to that day was called all the sketch right. duels. And right. that is where three different artists all sat up on the dais and sketched ideas from the audience. So it was kind of like seeing an improv troupe act out a scene except instead of acting out a scene, they would make a sketch Based on suggestions. The artists were Mike McCone, Jason Baddower, and Ariel Diaz. The two different, or there are actually three different themes. One had to do with fairies. um, And there might have been a setting for the fairies, but I don't remember what it was. And then there were Dragons in the water, or something like that, because somebody had said that right. they don't like drawing water, and so somebody, of course, threw <laughs> that out. And then one was based on the art of George Perez, who is a retired American comic book artist who's suffering some serious health problems right now. Uh, he's most known for the Avengers for Marvel Comics and the new Teen mm-hmm. Titans for DC. Mm-hmm. Right. So we so enjoyed this first one that we did attend two more but this was the first of the three that we attended and what we really liked is at the end they raffled off all the original drawings correct
1: that was exciting <laughs> we kept calculating the odds of whether or not we were going to win based on the number of people who were in the room and the number of tickets given yeah there out. were like
0: 15 <laughs> people in this first panel and nine drawings so we were thinking that we might have a chance
1: and we each mm-hmm. won one that's right that's right i mean i I really enjoyed mine it was i I got the one from Ariel, correct
0: yes, you got the second drawing from Ariel about or actually the third one you got the third one with the art of uh George Perez mm-hmm.
1: and there's a picture of of one of their one of his yeah. his characters,
0: yes, and I got the last one from Mike McCone
1: who drew Mm -hmm.
0: a portrait of George Perez. Right,
1: which I think is really cool.
0: Yeah, so I've got that one framed now, and it's going to go up in my office.
1: I haven't bought my frames yet. I still have to get out there and buy some, but that's where all these images are destined to go.
0: Oh, another person that we found on Friday was this artist who had a lot of great black-and-white sketch drawings all over. And I'm flipping through the book, and they've got all these characters from all of these properties and I asked if he had anything from Firefly and and he says oh that's something that I've been working on I was just telling my wife I've got to start getting these Firefly things and so I kind of passed it up and the reason I asked him about that is I've got a couple of or had a couple of blank trading card sized white blank cards that I've wanted to have commissioned into custom cards to add to my card collection. And I've not known what property that I would want to have done. So there's a lot of different things that I collect, but they're not necessarily familiar to the current artists. But Firefly pretty much is. So I thought, I'm going to ask about Firefly. And he didn't have anything to show me, so I walked away. And as I'm walking away, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, I liked all of his stuff. He wants to include it in future sketches that he's coming up with. So I said, I'm going to go back and see if he's interested in doing it. So I brought the cards back. Yep. I showed him the cards. Mm-hmm. I asked him if he'd be interested in doing a couple of uh, sketch cards for me from Firefly. And he's like, oh, that's kind of funny because I've... I did those long time ago for a card set. So when a Firefly trading card set came out, or Serenity, I don't remember which one it was, he had done mm-hmm. some of the sketch cards for it. So I'm like, "Right." then I was right. You are the perfect guy to do this. And <laughs> so on Friday, I gave him the three blanks, and I said, I want Mal, and I want Inara, and I want River. And he's like, all right. I says, I'll be here all weekend. Here's my phone number. Text me when they're ready. So off I went, and Saturday I get, this is Ted Woods. Your cards are done. And I went back, and they're beautiful, and I am so happy I got them. And now I need to get more. (laughs) But I want to get different (laughs) artists. Because if you've ever collected cards and you've got sketch cards, they've got all these Mm -hmm. different artists. So you always get all of these different styles. So... Hopefully, I'll be able to yes. go to another show, find another artist, and get three more sketch cards from, from different artists and to have a right. fill out my set. But I was very happy with him. He did a great job. Yeah, the
1: Fan Expo especially. I mean, you've had more experience at different conventions than I have even. But the Fan Expo group seems to have done an excellent job with their artist alley. And most all of those artists were willing to do commissioned work uh, yes. at their table. And in fact, uh, one of the things we we didn't take advantage of it, which I kind of regret at this point, when we were talking with Joe, the artist that uh, does Charlie the Tuna, we did that on Sunday. We talked to him at some length. Yeah. Um, He was offering the opportunity to draw what an animal or your favorite animal or something. what's your favorite animal? (laughs) Right, right. And he says that normally he travels with his daughter, who is also an artist. They do commission work there as well. So almost every one of the artists that were in residence at the convention would have been willing to do that. As you say, the trick was to find an artist in a style and a method that you really like. And uh, he did a fantastic job. The cards are gorgeous. I mean, they're very well done.
0: Yeah. And it was in the the type of drawing style that I was looking for, which that's the hardest part. It, like you said, there's no shortage of artists who will do commission sketch for you, but to find one that will do it and and meet what you have in your head, that's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Right. He certainly did an excellent job. So after that, uh, we wanted to you know see if we could learn anything. So we caught the end of a live podcast that was going on there called The Best Little Horror House in Philly, where they have a guest on and they ask the guest what they say is the best horror movie ever. The host automatically agrees, and then they discuss why it's the best horror movie ever.
1: And then they talked about right. the
0: Army of Darkness. Yes,
1: they did. Well, they they literally, I think, talked all the way through the movie, every single scene, every single <laughs> verbal piece <laughs> yes, of it. Yes, pretty album. much. Pretty much. <laughs> and then
0: one of the things that we learned is that doing a podcast live and doing one like we are now just over the internet is quite a different presentation. Like here, we're just having yes. a conversation and, and things happen and lots of editing that you can do, but when you're doing it live, it becomes more <laughs> of a performance and it was kind of Correct. weird watching a performance versus
1: a conversation. And then there was mm-hmm. the after part. Right. That was interesting. Yes. Absolutely. So talk about the after party. After party, (laughs) yeah, that'd be a good idea. Why don't we do that? The after party was in the Marriott, in what they call the Circle Bar. I think it was. Uh, That's where we told it. We were told that it was, and there was to be an event there sponsored by the Fan Expo people, and of course it was just across the street, and we headed over just across the street, and we asked around. We found the bar. It was just through the main set of doors, and we looked around, and we're like. Where are the people? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Where are the people who are drawing? This was it was just Yeah, it was our attendees. What was the name of the event? Yeah. What drink was the and draw. Name? Right, the drink and draw. And yeah. we expected that there would be people there with uh handing out papers or talking about drawing or something like that, but uh that isn't what happened. But what happened next
0: was What happened next was we quit looking for the drink and draw and just decided to drink. So we're standing at the bar and a guy walks up and sees my shirt and he asks, do you have a podcast? And then he tells me that he has a podcast. And he's a guy named Sean from a podcast called Scene Invaders. And he also does stand-up comedy. Apparently his podcast is pretty successful because he starts quoting me statistics about the second most popular independent podcast, and then I zoned out because that all means nothing to me. There's a commercial that I see that has a character spoofing a TikToker doing a challenge on the street saying that he has tens of tens of listeners. That's what we have. So I want to personally thank each and every one of you who are listening and have listened before, and who will continue to listen because you're one of our tens of tens of listeners. <laughs> well, I have faith. in. Oh, yeah. He invited us to be on his podcast as guests, and I've not contacted him. But if I ever do, I expect him to have no idea who I am. I was curious, so I, I listened to two episodes of his podcast. He's not on oh, every episode. Yeah. Okay. He's not on every episode. So I had to scroll a bit to find one that he was on and that it was about Mm -hmm. a subject I was familiar with. Mm -hmm. So the first one I listened to was about the latest Spider-Man movie. And in it, I swear he said this, or one of them said this. They said they wish they found someone hotter than Zendaya to play MJ. And I was waiting for a (laughs) laugh, like it was a joke, but it never came. And I'm like, hotter than Zendaya? That's a tall That's a tall order, but apparently yes, yes, they're indeed. not Zendaya fans. No, I guess not. I guess not. The podcast started out like a morning zoo radio show, and I was expecting okay. cowbells and noisemakers and sound effects, but there wasn't any of that, <laughs> and the tone calmed way down to just normal conversation very quickly. So that whole okay. high-energy, fake stuff, that, that ended right away. So I was happy about that. Because I don't have that Mm -hmm. much energy, and if we ever get invited to that podcast, there would be no way I could keep up that level. And Mm -hmm. the second one that I listened to had none of the morning zoo feeling. However, a common joke that ran through both episodes had to do with them sticking things up their butts. Oh, (laughs) jeez.
1: So I bring that up as a segue to talk about our Valentine's episode. Oh, gosh. Well, before <laughs> before we get to Valentine's Day, and I, I know that was a conversation that we wanted to have with this particular gentleman. I, he was actually a volunteer with the group uh, 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 that was hosting the expo. Yes, he was part of the crew. Right. His memory of the event might be quite different than our own. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Anyway, about our Valentine's Day special not safe for work episode. I don't want to go into too much detail here. But circumstances were such that I interpreted that we upset or offended somebody. So I immediately edited the episode and changed out the episode. And I reached out to this person about it. It's been two months, and I've never gotten a response. Everybody I have talked to, including Sean from the bar, says to put back the original episode. So I have. (laughs) Okay. If you listened if you listened to the Valentine's Day episode and do not remember anything about Pop Tarts, and you'd remember <laughs> or anything extremely offensive. <laughs> <laughs> you heard the edited version. So the original is back up if anyone wants to hear how we offended somebody with Pop Tarts. And that statement's a little misleading. <laughs>
1: No, we wouldn't do anything misleading. No. No. We finally
0: found the drawing group.
1: Yes, we did.
0: As we were about to leave. (laughs) Yes, we were on our way out, and lo and behold, Mm -hmm. there's a whole group drawing in a side alcove. Because the hotel forgot, using air quotes, to reserve space for them.
1: Right, and there again was our friend from the previous interaction, hosting the drink and draw joe Correct. was there joe and, was uh, yes. he was the main host and there was a couple of other coordinators standing there all very nice people that we interacted with and spoke with so we got to talk to joe a little bit and he explained how there was a group of
0: nurses who initially refused to give up their spot in that alcove and so they were just going to do it around them so he played some loud mm-hmm. annoying music and apparently that did the trick because <laughs> the nurses left because they couldn't take it anymore. But the drink and draw is he would throw out a theme and people would drink and draw. And a prize went to what he felt was the winner based
1: on his mood <laughs> because it didn't have to be a good drawing. No, no, that was the point. I think he, he, <laughs> he referred to it as the individual creator's creativity, not their style or technique. Correct, yes, (laughs) a.k.a.
0: his mood. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. So he held the Best of the Worst panel earlier in the day about the best worst movies. And Brian and I had a disagreement, and so I asked Joe to be the mediator. We still do. (laughs) Yes, we still do. So, Brian thinks that Ishtar is the worst movie ever made, and I said it's actually a pretty good movie, and Joe (laughs) didn't totally agree, but he sided more in my direction than Brian's. So, we still disagree, but I'm going to watch Ishtar again just to make
1: sure it's what I remember it being. It's been many, many years. <laughs> and I did describe to him that, or to, to Jeff anyway, not to Joe, but uh, that I was eager to get my two hours back. <laughs> yes. And that I yes. don't think I could possibly force myself to go through it again. Um, but I also remember, and this is the odd part because it's been a long time since I've seen that movie, that there was a moment in the movie where the movie jumped the shark And for me, and we talked about this, too, because it's happened to you. It's happened to everyone where all of a sudden the credulity is just out the window. You're like, okay, I'm done. And it just at that moment, you have no compassion left for the actors, actresses or anything in the film. It just it's just over. And you're sitting there wishing you could go home.
0: (laughs) Actually, we didn't talk about this then and we didn't bring it up with Joe. But the jump the shark moment that yeah. kind of tops the the worst movie experience that I remember on a movie that a lot of people say is a great movie is the movie Speed with Keanu Reeves mm. and Sandra Bullock. And when that bus okay. jumped the gap, I was done. <laughs> no, we didn't talk about that. No, we didn't. But <laughs> there were so many things in this movie with... Uh city bus doing ninety degree turns and never dropping mm-hmm. below fifty miles an hour because the way you would go around mm-hmm. a ninety degree turn would be to slam on the brakes and skid around the corner. Not mm-hmm. you're well, I don't know, maybe it was you know speed city bus Tokyo Drift <laughs> where he's <laughs> spinning the tires, <laughs> keeping it up at
1: fifty mm-hmm. miles oh the longer that movie went on, the more I hated it. Oh, I know. And 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 this is the controversy that'll probably haunt me here, but I'm going to say it. Keanu Reeves, I mean, come on. Is this an actor or a puppet? <laughs> <laughs> now, tell me you love
0: Keanu Reeves. Well, by saying that, you've never seen John Wick or any of the John Wick's. John movies. Wicks? Oh, oh actually I actually have. And, and he is... You like the John Wick? The- I loved John Wick. I would have never expected that he could pull off John Wick, but he does. The problem is... I'll give you that. As you get into, like, John Wick 3, Mm -hmm. the fight scenes become a bit repetitive. There's only so many super creative ways to break a guy's arm or kill a guy, so they they reuse (laughs) a bunch of them. And so, Uh
1: yeah, I totally, like... Well, you know, I guess the point that I would say about, about him is that if he stays in his lane, he can do what he does. But whenever he tries to go outside that box and act like a human being, I just can't see it, you know? Yeah, I will say John Wick <laughs> is not a human being the way you would expect a human being. <laughs> right, right. He doesn't have the, the emotional capacity Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no. Yeah, good idea. No. Well, you know, I'm going to get in trouble. There's going to be a hundred people that will say, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> of course. Tens of tens, not hundreds. Yes, the tens of tens. Oh, come yeah. on now. One day it'll be hundreds. <laughs> I promise. So, yeah. Well, you know what? That's what even even Sean said that. He said that uh, their uh, podcast didn't become popular until after their 200th episode. And he's, yeah, you know, it takes somewhere while. up in that high range, you know. Yeah. We may never get to episode 200, but at some point somebody might think us funny. <laughs>
0: yeah, we, we
1: gain a few <laughs>
0: listeners every week. I I kind of watch the metrics and I'm always surprised when all of a sudden somebody has listened to the first three episodes, like after so long mm-hmm. of a time. So we are being discovered little by little. If you like this show, tell a friend. If you don't, tell an enemy. <laughs> there
1: you
0: go. <laughs> and make them listen. <laughs> yes. So day two is Saturday. This is the day that we are going to go the extra mile and go in cosplay. I was the Golgafrnchen yes. captain, and Brian was a telephone sanitizer second class. I will compare the attendees' understanding of my costume to what I heard Bruce Campbell say in an interview when asked if he could just walk down the street. It was something like, 999 people will walk right past me, but the thousandth person will fall down and pee himself. So very, very (laughs) few people had any idea what my costume was. And some who didn't know, wanted to know if I was Captain Stubing from The Love Boat. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, you describe yourself at the time as a crazy old man, you know, carrying a rubber duck. <laughs> One of the things that I thought was the funniest about this whole thing is, is, as we were discussing earlier, I have the open face and you have the more closed, if you will. So, okay. so it's in our nature to be the opposite of the way we were dressed that day. Um, you were in a costume that was quite open you know it was it was like wide open kind of a costume noticeable my costume i i went into the bathroom before we even got to the convention and i saw a guy wearing the same outfit as i was
0: (laughs) you were (laughs) a guy in a
1: hoodie i'm a a guy in a hoodie with the with a pair of sweatpants on so i mean I, i wish i mean now that we've the convention is over we've had an opportunity to rethink the the pro the costume and i think that the next iteration of my costume is going to be much better and because it's going to be better i think will be much more recognizable right so to give a little bit of a spoiler my intention is to change my costume from a golga telephone sanitizer uh, second class to number two so at, at that i will be dressed um more appropriately for as a it, it, he looks more like a ship's captain definitely like a waiter or a you know someone like that on a ship i'll be wearing the captain hat and the double-breasted uh, jacket and that kind of thing so it'll look right. far more like a costume yes
0: and you'll have your killer zap gun my
1: killer zap gun definitely going to have the killer zap gun so it, it'll play better together because as i was looking at and re-experiencing things i was thinking to myself that the beautiful logo that you designed uh, on the back of my hoodie was Mm -hmm. really the key feature of my jacket, So, or of my costume, I should say. And if I had been walking around with you backwards, it might have made more sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, all the people behind us might get it. (laughs) Exactly. So people would come up and ask us to explain, because they had to. They had to figure out what this bathrobe and rubber duck and captain's hat had to do and gin and tonic had to do with anything and mm-hmm. some people they knew the hitchhiker's guide but they only know the first book and they're not aware of the tv series or the radio show or the second book where that those characters come from there were a few who figured it out on their own and those were the ones that were most impressed
1: Right. So if we started off, and this is not necessarily in the order that we met them, one of the individuals that was like immediately turned on to what the characters were and who they were was a gentleman by the name of Alex. Um, Yes. He worked locally at the Pennsylvania Hospital. He's a member of their medical staff. I I don't recall exactly what he did. He was dressed very, very well as a hologram medical doctor from the Star Trek series yes uh, the with emergency the medical hologram, hologram h on his <laughs> yeah. forehead which what i thought was brilliant because of course later in the series they they did do that we spoke with him at length he had some insight as to what he thought uh, whether he thought the wizard con approach was better than the fan expo thing and and all that kind of uh chatter about the convention but he was impressed with the costumes and we got out our gin and tonics and he took a couple pictures and that yes. that was a really Fun interaction.
0: Yeah, that was fun. We talked with a couple of other people. Who else do you remember?
1: Oh, well, shortly after that, you were going around the corner, and I was a little bit behind you at that. And you, you told me that there was a gentleman standing there with his partner wife. We, we didn't, wouldn't know which, but yeah. Um, and he yells out, Oh, go Frinsham B. Ark. I get it. <laughs> yeah, that, that was my
0: and, favorite, uh, I know, think, because that... they just knew immediately. Can we get a picture?
1: Right. <laughs> so uh, we had to take selfies with <laughs> so, people. Yeah, that was fun. I you know, that that I'd never had that experience before cuz uh, obviously I don't think this is the first this is the first time I've gone to a convention wearing a costume. Right. They we gave them a card and we spoke with them for a few minutes and he was very interested in the entire idea of the podcast so hopefully we'll pick up a a listener from from that interaction. Yeah. Yeah, We also were in the aisle and a vendor stopped us and he spoke with us about the costumes. He was really impressed. Is that the artist from Delaware? Yes, the artist from Delaware. He called us over and asked for a picture. We had a picture take. We took a picture with him. My favorite interaction was with the folks that were in the Shatner line. Yeah, we had two
0: different interactions with them. We did.
1: The funny thing about the Shatner thing was that uh, was this, that was Saturday, right? Saturday afternoon, Shatner was at the main stage. And both Jeff and I had seen or were aware of the fact that he was supposed to be in Chicago on Sunday, big Star Trek convention in Chicago. And I think we've spoken about this before. That's that's my thing. This, the Star Trek people are the ones that I enjoy seeing. Right. And if it hadn't been for the fact that this convention was scheduled that same weekend or would have more than likely gone to Chicago to be with Jeff there, and we would have yes. attended the Star Trek convention
0: Yeah, if these were on consecutive weekends, we'd have done the double bill like we did two years ago. Exactly. And that that was
1: our original intention. So we went over to the lady, the keeper of the gate for Shatner, and asked if he was going to be signing autographs after his performance on the main stage. And she said, well, yes, maybe if his line is long enough. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um. (laughs) <laughs> and at, a, at 120 bucks a piece, I'm thinking, how long does the line have to be for him not to think, oh, that's just pocket change? Right. <laughs> for me, you know, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Anyway, so we, I, I bought a ticket. Uh, Jeff already gotten his um, Shatner yes. autograph. But this was my first opportunity to have an autograph by Shatner. And as I claim to be a Star Trek fan, I'm not sure how I got this far without one. But I did get that. Uh, But as we were standing in line, we met a couple from May's Landing. Uh, May's Landing, New Jersey, if you're not familiar. uh, Shore Town. They have a collectibles and museum in May's Landing called Far Point Toys. Right. those who know the story of the next generation, all starts with Farpoint, et cetera, et cetera. So they were fans of Shatner and the entire Star Trek retinue. And they were there in line to get very odd Captain Kirk figurine signed for their collection. Right. And I believe they called him Bad Kirk. Is that what it was? Bad Kirk. Yes. Bad Kirk. <laughs> Very bizarre, odd figurine that came out um, with Captain Kirk in some sort of like battle armor or something, right? Yeah, something that never appeared in the movie it was supposed to. Right, right. So they had sold many of these particular character pieces um, because they come up quite often because people don't know what they are or why they exist. So they decided for their collection, their own museum collection, they wanted an autographed version. Uh, so they had it. Mint inbox <laughs> and they were having yes. it signed, and we had we had a quite an enjoyable conversation with them about Hitchhiker's Guide and Star Trek. Then after the signatures, which unfortunately for us we had to stand in line for what an hour and a half was it, or closer to two hours? I think so. Yeah, closer to two hours. By the time he came back, and he did in fact come back, and because of our VIP tickets, I was first in line, and uh, the interaction was very short but pleasant. And um, we moved on from there. So we're wandering around the convention and it's getting later in the evening and we're going back and forth. And all of a sudden we run into the same couple again. They came up to us and said, you know, we've been all over this convention. We've seen all these different people in all these different cosplay outfits. And we believe that you two are the best. Yes. (laughs) And they asked if they could if they could get selfies with us, and that they could, our, you know, they could take our pictures, and we were so delighted. Um, Absolutely, that, uh, for what they said and and the time that they spent with us, that we enjoyed having our pictures taken, and I look forward because being a New Jersey, South Jersey guy, I I will probably have an opportunity to go to their shop and uh, visit them at the shop and perhaps pick up some more. Uh, Star Trek items. (laughs) Yes, you have to
0: check that place out. Mm -hmm, Definitely. I'm not sure which of the couples that we ran into said this. They were wondering why, as for iconic as a series, as Hitchhikers is, that it doesn't get more cosplayers. And we kind of treated the question as rhetorical back then. But my answer would be that it's not current enough and that there are not enough young people reading it for the first time and there are not enough old farts like us interested in dressing up in cosplay because they have a <laughs> podcast to shamelessly promote.
1: <laughs> shamelessly.
0: <laughs> shamelessly well, is is accurate.
1: <laughs> right. And, and even though you were dressed as the, the Golga Frensham captain, you wouldn't have agreed to go as the Golga Frensham captain if you had to wear what he was wearing in <laughs> The show. <laughs> no. That that would be Because obscene. of course he's either naked or, you know, wearing a pair of swim trunks in, in the bath. In the bath. Yeah. I wasn't gonna carry around a, a bath. Which would have been pretty damn funny. Just by wearing a, a bathrobe, I think one or two people recognize the bathrobe, but were thinking more along the lines of Arthur. Because of course that's what he's wearing during right. the entire TV series, you know. I
0: say technically he has a dressing gown. Yes,
1: that's true. That's true. And it and it's colorful. And you were wearing just yes. plain white or off-white.
0: Um... Yes. I did not want it to be confused with Arthur at all. And I made sure I got the mm-hmm. whitest, fluffiest bathrobe that I could. As opposed to just like a darker plaid or something dressing gown like Arthur would be wearing right
1: and of course um you you related the story to me and and we may have talked about it before but where you wore shorts the first time you had the costume on and you felt that that yes. was kind of awkward
0: <laughs> it was horribly uncomfortable
1: <laughs> um because of course your robe would fall open and i don't know it's just i can try to enjoy a panel
0: is. and i keep having to like pull my robe closed because it's just <laughs> Falling open, and if I if I needed to get my wallet, I didn't want to just whip open my robe.
1: Oh gosh! Well, that reminds me about when I was uh, in in high school. I <laughs> know I didn't intend to tell the story, but well, here we go. I, I guess it was might be in eighth grade. I think about it, because um, at some point when you get old enough that you you're too old to trick or treat, but you still want all the candy, right? <laughs> And so I remember it was that particular time. So I decided to go as a flasher. So I wore this long trench coat and a pair of like swimsuit underneath it. (laughs) Yep. Swimsuit and socks. socks. And so, you know, we'd go up to the thing and I'd flash people, you know, and everybody had normal reaction. But I remember this one particular house, this old lady was there and she just jumped out of her skin when I flipped my jet right (laughs) over. I mean I wasn't naked underneath but she just so I got the trick and the treat. <laughs> yes. Flashers and streaking that that was a big thing back in the 70s. It was. It was. That I could so I could appreciate the way you felt in the shorts but of course the long pants they're just they were just fine. They got the job done. Yes. So I have to say that this the overall experience was just phenomenal. I'm excited about a bunch of things that happened. I think we have a A little bit more time for a few more, so shall we go on? So for me, that ended Saturday, and the last
0: day was Sunday. And Mm -hmm. Sunday was not a cosplay day. It was basically a walk around the dealer room day. You had your podcast shirt back on again. I did Mm -hmm. not wear my podcast shirt. I can't remember what T-shirt I wore. Again, it wasn't that one. I have no notes of Sunday. Sunday was a real non Eventful day. So if you've got anything <laughs> to talk
1: about on Sunday, good. That
0: would be great. Yes, Jogged I do.
1: Um, good. Well, yeah, it, it's kind of funny because obviously you were getting on the plane, so you didn't necessarily want to wear your podcast shirt, but you borrowed a shirt from me. You wore the oh, that's shirt, right. So yes, your very first iteration of a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy shirt, and Correct. you might want to describe that. It was.
0: It's a don't panic shirt on the front with a large number 42 on the back. When I was designing the shirt, I was trying to come up with a font that had the right look and feel to what I I wanted. I wanted it to have an artistic font. I didn't want it just to be a normal font. So I'm scrolling down different fonts that I can find and I found one called Branching Mouse. And I'm like, mice, here we go. This is it. So I created this <laughs> "Don't Panic" shirt with branching mouse font, a normal forty-two on the back, and that's what we wore first time we saw the movie
1: in the theater and back in two thousand and five. Right. That's right. That's right. And and I still have that original shirt. And that I've actually had two two copies of that particular shirt. And you wore right. that because you were getting on the plane later that afternoon, and it just kind of made sense. But yes, during and- that. During Sunday, you did some comic book diving,
0: and uh,
1: I walked around quite a bit, and and I had an opportunity to speak with a couple of different people. I spoke with a gentleman who uh, does some some work with wood, makes custom dice boxes. And I had a pleasant conversation with him about my my attempt to make a dice box. Many of you people probably already know what a dice box is, but you drop the dice in the top and it comes out the bottom and into a tray. And I wanted to design one for my son uh, that folded into itself so that you could collapse it or actually feed it into itself. I mean, there's a couple of different ways to do that, but I wanted it to be not that you have to tear it down and put it back together again i literally wanted to be able to fold it together or slide it together and i had some success but not what i expected to have i made three different prototypes all of which failed on some small level and then in the end i created a box just for dice which looks like a leather-bound book and Uh, I used real leather and real uh, rope to create the binding and nice piece of spalted maple that I had for the cover. And anyway, I, I made that for him and I shared pictures with with Daniel from all true to you custom woodworking. Very, very great guy and interesting conversation. Another conversation with a couple from New York City.
0: Before you go yeah. on I want to ask you a question about sure. the dice box that you were building. Yes. How many dice boxes did you plan on building? Well, I planned on making one. What's the <laughs> difference between the one you were going to make and prototype? Oh, the pro- well, <laughs> you're saying you're going to make you made prototypes that but you're yes. only going to make one. So if the first
1: prototype worked yeah. out, it'd been it. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah yes and or no okay Okay. and in this particular case and you you know you know more than most about me and my woodworking and stuff but the the thing that i always try to appreciate the most about my style of woodworking is the concept that you make stories with your art if you will despite what you say about your your drawing skills and that kind of thing i consider you a a very good artist, so you understand the the process of art and the process of creation. I had already determined that I was going to use a specific piece of wood or pieces of wood in my final piece. Your prototype
0: could be a finished one, but it's going to be made with garbage wood, not the final finished wood that you would make it with because that's expensive wood. But you could get a bunch of cheap pine and create and say, oh, it'll work. And then you could just recreate it with your final wood.
1: That That's 100% correct. I had, I had spalted maple, which is very expensive. Um, I didn't actually pay for it, believe it or not, because I got it from a tree that I had cut down and sawn into uh, slabs. So I own these huge slabs of spalted maple wood, which I originally intended to make into just a simple workbench. But Due to the figured maple and the spalting uh, and the ambrosia, the wood is way more pricey. I mean, I could sell this stuff for a ton of money, but I already own it, and I knew I was going to use a piece right. of this to create this box. Uh, so I was using plywood, thin plywood, to come up with the design. And I, I'd, I'd have to show it to you, but it never panned out the way I had hoped it would. I wanted to be able to like slide it apart and put it together, and it just didn't... Every attempt I made, I came into a situation where I was like stuck because every time I put it together, I, it, this piece of wood would be blocking that piece of wood and it, it just didn't, didn't quite work. So <laughs> yes, the prototype, which is pretty nice and does function is a pretty interesting little thing, but it wasn't what I ended up with. Um, as I said, right. So anyway, <laughs> uh, as I was saying, I, I, I spoke with, uh, husband and wife from New York City. Uh, At least they've recently been in New York City. They moved out of New York City. They're now in Pennsylvania. They own a company called Spitfire Labs. They, uh, and you you and I spoke with them too. They make uh, plaques with uh, beautiful carved cherry and they did an inlay on top of a couple of them. One of them has a carved laser image of the Enterprise and over top of that, or outside of that, they have resin that made it look like a starfield with blue and black resin. And I spoke with her uh, at some length because she is a Hitchhiker's fan. I gave her our card and uh, she said that she'd like to do an image for Hitchhikers. But again, we have that same conversation. Even though there are fans out there of the series, what would people consider an iconic image? for hitchhikers well you get the whale and the petunias the whale and the petunias seem to be the one thing that's consistent throughout the in, throughout the thing and the words don't panic um, and the so number 42 we had an interesting conversation mm-hmm. and so, and every once in a while you'll see the laughing planet right right exactly that was part of our conversation and really enjoyable uh, i think it's funny. I was looking at their card, and I'm not sure, but I think their names are Andy and Brandy. <laughs> oh, how unfortunate! <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny because it's not on their. Oh, it actually is on their card. Uh, but if you go to their website and that kind of thing, it's not there. The Spitfire Labs they don't they don't mention their names. No, oh. and I, I I always think that's interesting because I would have thought that that would be a part of their identity, but in this particular right. case, it's not so. One of my favorite interactions for Sunday was I was wandering around the the convention hall, and for some reason, I walked down an aisle that I hadn't been down before, and there, at the end of the aisle, I met a group calling themselves the Roddenberries. Oh, and I haven't <laughs> heard this. Yes, they are a local and I mean local to the Philadelphia area, Star Trek-themed party band. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And I honestly was surprised that I'd never heard of them before, but they do parties all throughout the tri-state area, and I just was beaming from ear to ear as I was talking to these guys and the young lady that was there as well, just enjoying the concept that they come to your party dressed in Star Trek uniforms and sing different songs and, and songs from, you know, songs that relate to the show. And it was just a really great, fun interaction. If you happen to be in the Philadelphia area and you hire the Roddenberries uh, for their musical talent, then please invite me to your party so I can hear yeah. you. <laughs> Because I'm going to qualify myself as one of their super fans from now on. (laughs) Without hearing a note. Without hearing a note. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. (laughs) I'm still going to enjoy it. (laughs) Did you ask them if they had a theremin? Oh, I did not. But I should have. That would have been perfect. (laughs) Those are some of my recollections for Sunday. I want to tell you a little bit of my story for the following weekend when I went to Geek Fest. Oh, yes, absolutely. When we were at the convention in Philadelphia, I got the comment on my Facebook. And so I decided that I would, in fact, like to go see my friend from high school. I had seen some of his work online before because obviously he would post it and that kind of thing. So I did. I went to the convention there and uh, it turns out that it wasn't very far from my home. And there were quite a number of vendors there, some interesting uh, companies that were involved there. Uh, And I went over to his booth and we uh, had a great chat and talked and that kind of thing. Um, But while I was there, I did buy a couple of pieces of his. And what's interesting to me is that he does most of his, uh, well, I don't even know what you call them, carvings, I guess, using a scroll saw. Unlike the much more popular, much more available laser cut approach. Um, He's actually using handwork and a scroll saw and. He was talking to me about the meditative uh, feeling that that gives him that allow, allows him to de-stress after work where he can sit down at the scroll saw and work that image. So I purchased while I was there a portrait, if you will, of Spock. Yes, you showed it. It's and impressive. I Especially did. Especially done with the scroll you. saw. Yep, earlier. Yes. And that, and that's the thing. Cause you, you have to appreciate, at least I appreciate it in a woodworking style, the use of a scroll saw. It's, it's, it's tedious work when it's done with such expertise. Like I'm really impressed with, uh, with what he was able to do and the piece that I got. Also got a, a badge that he created for, oh, yep, for Star Trek, Star Trek badge. Yep. And then one of my favorite little pieces he, created a signpost now this one actually is laser cut but it's a signpost that has all the little cities uh, towns and areas associated with the princess bride movie right Um, it's (laughs) got uh, florin and gilder and the cliffs of insanity the fire swamp the pits of despair the thieves forest and miracle maxes all pointed out so you would know where to go if you happen to be in that area Yes. To add to the weekend, I got one more piece, and we haven't even talked about this. There, there okay. I think there's two more things we want to talk about. You came over to my house. You got there on Thursday, and I don't exactly remember what we were discussing, but we were talking about television shows and things that we had watched or things that you would like to see. Correct. And you mentioned that you had not seen... Squid Game. Squid Game's. And I had no idea what he was talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Of course, I hadn't seen Squid Games, nor had I heard anything at all about it. But because I had the right uh, streaming service, I'm like, oh, let's do it. And Squid Games is a serialized show with, what, eight episodes? Nine episodes? You remember? Nine episodes. Nine episodes. And so we started off watching Squid Games. And if you haven't seen it, I'm hesitant <laughs> to, to recommend it i mean i I'd like to recommend it because it it's a fantastically unique show, and I don't want to spoil anything that could spoil the show for you, but you have to have the kind of well I don't know how would you what 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 personality would it be that would really enjoy squid games? <laughs> I don't know if you could if you could define
0: that but it's definitely not for everybody. It's not a straightforward <laughs> show. There is violence. There are some horrific scenes. So if you don't like violent shows, it's not all violence, but there are mm-hmm. very brief
1: moments of very intense violence. Right. And as my wife described, she she actually watched it with us and she was satisfied that she got through to the end because it is a satisfying show in that respect, but she kind of likens it a little bit to kill bill. Right. And that kind of, I won't even call this gratuitous violence because he kind of steps over the edge of that, <laughs> Yeah, you know, so <laughs> because at least in kill bill, you know, you're like seeing streams of blood flying all over the screen and you, you almost laugh because it's hysterical, uh, not hysterical, but you know, you almost laugh because it's, Improbable physics, or whatever. It's comical horror. Yes, comical horror. That would be a good way of saying it. But as I was going through the Geek Fest, I was talking with a gentleman from Delaware, fascinating young man, uh, but to me, all of them are young. Right. Um, who was telling us, telling me his story about how he'd laid back for the last three years, and that this was his first convention back out. Uh, he was an artist, and Delaware is not very far away from me, so I consider him a local artist. Chatting along with him about uh, inspiration and uh, the the uh, process of creation of art, and I happened to look down at his table, and I saw. This image, which, of course, is a visual thing, so I'm sure nobody knows what I'm looking at at the moment. But how would you describe this image, Jeff?
0: Let's see. A person in a pink hooded onesie with a fencing mask with a square on it holding a machine gun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that is a description of a series of characters in Squid Games. They are the more director types the square the squares if i remember correctly or are they security like a boss like a security boss
0: yeah would well, it be a triangle i think was security okay. and then there was circles okay so there was circles right, square right, right. one square yeah. a lot and, of circles a lot of triangles yep
1: you got it you got it so um when i saw that image i'm like up oh, gotta take this home it's representative yeah. of the weekend. <laughs> Right, <laughs> And for me, it, it'll it be hanging uh, on the wall with the other images that I collected during our time in the convention. I'd have to say, I, I do want to remark that each and every person that I met, that we met, every one of them seemed excited to be out and about. And I know with the, I can't say we're post-COVID, but the COVID world that we've been living in, they really seem to enjoy the opportunity to be uh, out with other people and just had a great time. I know that the vendors are there to make money, but they seemed more than willing to interact with anyone who would speak with them. It was just a joy for me to be able to talk with a whole bunch of people. And uh, I know that they maybe were looking to make more money. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Every one of them, they listened, they spoke, they, it was a great opportunity for us to be out there out and about again. And I just wish I could tell them all thank you once again. So, Absolutely. But that brings us to the end
0: of our weekend. I also had an absolutely wonderful time, and I am so glad that conventions are back in full swing. I do want to mention that our next episode is going to be about the book Restaurant at the End of the Universe, because when we recorded our last episode about the game, we had no idea where that was going to fall in the order so I couldn't tell you what the next mm-hmm. episode was going to be. So I'm letting you know now mm-hmm. that the book Restaurant at the End of the Universe will be the first Thursday in May. Awesome.
1: righty, Jeff. I think we've reached that point where it's time to say goodbye. So say goodbye, Jeff.
0: Goodbye, everybody. Enjoy your gin and tonics. Thank you for listening to Digital Watches Are a Pretty Neat Idea. Look for us the first Thursday of every month for a full episode. We will also release a bonus episode later in the month. A very special thanks goes out to Luke, Max, Greg, and Tim Lesnick for arranging and performing our opening theme. We would also like to thank our talented friends and family for their voice work on our introductions and commercials. Visit our website at digitalwatchesareaprettyneatidea.buzzsprout.com where you can find links to all my Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy-inspired t-shirt designs. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube as Digital Watches Are a Pretty Neat Idea, on Instagram as Watches Idea Podcast, and on Twitter at Watches Idea. If you'd like to contact us, our email is digitalwatchespodcast at gmail.com. This has been a Fruits for Thought production.